opportunity to sit and hear the Word of God without distractions. And so, Lord, we take authority over the airways. We take authority over the the prince of darkness. And we say in Jesus' name, you have no power in this place. You have no power in our hearts. And, Lord, I declare that, Father, as the Word is being proclaimed, our hearts are open, our ears are open, our minds are open, and our spirits are open. And, Father, I step back now so the Spirit of God can minister freely in the mighty name of Jesus. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. Hold your Bibles up real high. I want you to repeat after me. Say, this is God's Word. Come on, say it like you mean it. This is God's Word. Not Pastor Evans' Word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series entitled Grow with the Flow. Everybody say Grow with the Flow. And the focus of the teaching is to provide us with biblical principles that will help us grow personally and also organizationally. Amen. In order for us to grow, we have to change. And so last week, our lesson was entitled Growing in the Word. And we discovered that we must desire, say desire. You and I must desire the Word for us to grow. And our foundational verse was found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. It says, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the Word that we may grow thereby. And then the third verse says, If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And so we learned that our five senses trigger desire. Everybody say, my five senses trigger desire. And so if you weren't here, I want you to go back and listen to it because every time I teach a lesson, it is layered from the last one. And so we learned on last week that these five senses that God has given us, uh, they trigger desire. So we use the example of when you were going through the mall and all of a sudden, you know, you ate dinner before you left home and you weren't hungry. But when they, you smell the Cinnabons fired up in the Cinnabon oven. All of a sudden, now you're hungry. Why? Because your desire was triggered by your senses of smell. And so we learned that on last week. And uh, we talked about going on a word diet. Look at your neighbor and say, I told you last week to go on a diet. Go on and tell them. Now look at them again and say, I told you to watch your mouth last week too. No, no. We talked about going on a word diet. Say a word diet. A word diet because in order for the word to increase, we have to put now, something has to decrease. So here was the principle that we said on last last week. If something needs to increase, then something else has to decrease. And so we must decide, say decide, 
we must decide to increase our word hearing level. And so I gave you some steps on doing that last week. The first one was first we have to decide that we're going to uh, increase our hearing, hearing uh, our word level hearing or our hearing level of the word. And then number two, I said you need to find some daily routines that you can insert hearing the word. So I use, for example, when I leave church every Sunday, I make sure that I listen to the CD before I go home. And then I talked about instead of listening to the radio on your way to work, don't just listen to the radio, listen to me. Amen. And then I talked about, you know, you may have been used to watching an hour worth of the news when you get home. Don't watch an hour now. Watch 30 minutes and then go on YouTube and watch 30 minutes of me. Amen. So we're talking about increasing the desire because here's the goal. The goal is to use your five senses to trigger a desire for more of God's word. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. The more you hear it, the more you want to hear it. Amen. And so we want to use as many of our senses as possible. And then the last thing I want to suggest is that you use my teaching as your Bible study. Most people say, well, Pastor, I don't know what, or how to study the Bible. Listen, just take one of my CDs, sit down at a table, get a real Bible. Everybody say a real Bible. Get a real Bible, get your notepad out, and every time I give a scripture, put it on pause, find the scripture in your Bible, and here's what's happening when you're doing that. You're not only hearing the word, that's one sense, you are also seeing the word, which is another sense. And so what that does is, all it does is it increases your desire for God's word. Amen. So if you're taking notes, our lesson title today is to grow, you must let go. To grow, you must let go. Everybody say to grow, you must let go. Amen. Some of us need to let go of some things. The only way we're going to grow is we're going to have to let go. Some of you need to let go of that engagement ring that you got 10 years ago. Why do you still have it? It's quiet, isn't it? One of our singles came to me and gave me their engagement ring. They, 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 this one particular person uh, uh, asked them to marry them. And uh, this was back uh, probably around 2005 or six when we first started church. And uh, they recently gave me that ring and said, Pastor, I should have gave you this ring five years ago. The Lord told me to and I didn't. So here you go right here. Some of us need to let go of some broken promises. They're not going to do it. Look at your neighbor and say, just let it go. Just let it go. Amen. Some of us need to let go of some disappointments. You know, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So some of us are holding on to disappointments. And then some of us are just holding on to hurts that we just need to let go of. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look in Romans chapter 12, verses 1. You can tell this is going to be a very exciting uh, message right quick. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and then we're going to look in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. That was Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and then Matthew chapter 6, verses 9. You and I can only grow to the degree that we're willing to let go of our ways of doing things. I'm going to say that again. You and I will only grow to the degree that we're willing to let go 
of things being done our way. And so there are three areas that I'm going to talk about today that you and I need to let go of in order for us to grow. I'm going to tell you what they are and then we're going to, we're going to go through them. The first area that we need to let go is our wills. Our wills. And our will is what we desire to do. And then number two, we need to let go of our ways. And these are, you know, our ways are things in which we want things done. The way we want things done. And then the third way is our weights. W-E-I-G-H-T-S. Our weights. And these are things that we're holding on to that are weighing us down. Alright, so let's now go to Romans chapter 12 and get into this because... I have discovered over my 30-something years of serving God that doing things God's way has always worked out best for me. I'm going to say that again. Doing things God's way has always worked out best for me. I also have discovered that not doing things God's way has not worked out for me. Amen. So in Romans chapter 12, we're going to look at now our wills and what we desire to do. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I'm starting in verse 1, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. How many know holiness is still in today? Amen. Amen. Verse 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, which tells me that, that there is a possibility that I can be conformed to this world. He said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, watch this, by the renewing. Notice that is an ongoing process. It doesn't say by having renewed. It says by renewing of your what? Mind that you may prove, watch this, that what that is good and what is acceptable. And read this with me. And perfect will of God. I want you to see. That a renewed mind is what helps us understand the will of God. In other words, God has a will uh, and the only thing standing between God's will being done is how I think. The only thing that's standing, watch this now, standing between me and doing God's will and knowing God's will is the way I think. And that's the problem. Most people, our ways of thinking are blocking God's will in our lives from us knowing it and from us doing it. Most people think, oh man, you know, uh, God's will is mysterious, but it's not. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 36, I want to show you something. It says, for you have need of patience after that you have done the will of God. After you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So watch this, you can't do God's will if you don't know God's will. And it says here, after we have done the will of God, which means that God has a will and God is interested in us knowing what his will is. He is not trying to hide his will from us. And most of the time when we don't know God's will, it's either because we haven't been in his word to discover what it is or we may not want to know. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9, let me show you something because God's, uh, Jesus model prayer that he had for us, God's will is inserted in that prayer. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9, it says, and after this manner, therefore pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, watch this, thy will be done 
in earth, read it with me, as it is in what? Just because God has a will that he wants done doesn't mean it's going to get done. I'm going to say that again. Just because God has a will that he wants done doesn't mean that it's going to get done. Listen, God wants his will done and he wants us to do it. And what I've discovered is if I don't participate with God and what he wants to be done, if I don't cooperate with him, God will find someone else to cooperate with him. Amen. Just because God has a will that he wants done doesn't mean it's going to get done. You and I, watch this, we must align our wills with his will. We must decide to do things his way and how he wants it done. And Because if not, listen, and I'm a, this is about to shock you right here. There is no such thing as the more than abundant life without doing the will of God. In other words, Jesus said, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. And that more than abundant life, there is no such thing in experiencing that more than abundant life until we, you and I, we yield to the will of God. Amen. And see, everybody say years ago. Years ago, I had to learn to yield to what God wanted me to do. Because at the time I was a new Christian, I really didn't know what God wanted me to do. And so what I discovered is that God doesn't necessarily show you everything he wants you to do at one time. It comes, uh, you know, just in like like snapshots. It, it, it comes almost like scenes in a movie. He'll show you something and then he wants you to walk through it. And uh, I remember I wanted to get married because every single person, for the most part, most people who are single wanted to get married or wants to get married. And so when I was single uh, and I got saved at 20, I wanted to get married. I knew I wanted to get married. I wanted to have kids. I wanted to have a family. And so uh, w- one of the things that God told me, you know, when I was single, he says, Eben, you want a princess, but you act like a frog. How many know Pastor Sarah, the words, the name Sarah means princess? Yeah, he, you want a princess, but you act like a frog. And, and, and I knew what he meant. In other words, my expectations of who I wanted was here, but the reality of how I was acting was here. Oh, y'all want to play me this morning, right? Okay, so let me put it in today's terms. So you want a virgin, but you not one. Touch your neighbor and say, I didn't know he was going to be that real. I didn't know he was going to do that. I didn't know he was going to do that. I didn't know he was going to do that. No, no, no. You look, you want somebody who loves God and is seeking God, but you're not. You want a focused individual. You want a person who has goals, dreams, and aspirations, but you don't have any goals, dreams, or aspirations. And I knew at that point that if I was going to marry the person God had designed for me, I was going to have to submit my will to his will because you and I must be taught the will of God. Write down Psalm 143 verse 10. It says, teach me to do your will for you are my God. He says, teach me to do your will. And God's will at times are not going to match what we will. And this is where the struggle between the flesh and the spirit comes in. The struggle comes in when my flesh wants to do one thing and my spirit knows to do something else. I remember, uh, you know, the Lord had promised me. He told me uh, he, when, when I was 
single and, he, and I wanted to get married. He told me, he says, Evan, you're going to marry somebody who's not from America. Now, you have to understand, I didn't even own a passport at that point. I had never been out of the country. In fact, I had never dated someone outside of being an American. So that was a foreign promise to me, but I knew God had spoke that to me, right? And so uh, I lived in Ohio for five years, and, and uh, so here it is. I was staying with a lady named Miss Johnson, and Miss Johnson was like my grandmother. And so I stayed with her uh, right out of college, you know. And, you know, some of my friends, friends were critical of me. And it's like, you need to get your own place. I'm like, well, you, know, you need to mind your own business. Because Miss Johnson took care of Pastor Evan. Look, Miss Johnson cooked uh, dinner for me every day. I didn't have to wash the dishes. Miss Johnson washed all of my clothes. Miss Johnson took care of my room. She changed my sheets on my bed. Miss Johnson took care of me. And I'm going to leave Miss Johnson? The devil is alive. So I'm living with Miss Johnson. I'm outside. Some of you all have heard this story. Uh, and back then, I had a, a sports car. It was a 300ZX turbo with T-tops in it. I mean, you, you heard me before you saw me. Because I had two 12-inch subwoofers in this car. So, you know, uh, you heard me coming before you saw me. So, you know, I'm outside. I'm washing my car. And uh, two girls come down the street in the car. And, you know, I looked up and they waved. And I just waved back. And, and they kept going. I had never seen them before. They kept going. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and says, distraction. And I was like, there ain't no distraction. I don't even know them. They just stopped. I didn't talk to them. It's not a distraction. Well, lo and behold, they loop back around. <laughs> and this time they just creep slowly down the street. And they stopped and rolled the window down and spoke to me. Hey, how you doing? I'm like, you know, hi, you know. And uh, they said, oh, we stay right up the street here. And I didn't know that. And so we're, we're talking. And, and, uh, and as soon as they drove off, the Lord said, distraction. I said, how's the distraction? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't ask for their phone number or nothing. The next day, you know, back in the day, they had phone books. I know they don't have those these days. But a phone book, young people, is a big, thick book that had everybody's phone number and addresses in it. So she knew where I stayed and she knew the lady's name. She just looked up Miss Johnson in the phone book. She found the phone number and the phone at the house rang. I ain't know nobody in Ohio, so I ain't get no. I don't even know Miss Johnson's phone number. And so Miss Johnson answered the phone. She was like, Ebony, it's for you. And I was like, really? Well, guess who it was? Misdistraction. <laughs> Sometimes what we want to do does not match what God wants us to do. But if you understand that what God wants you to do, it, listen, you're going to be happy doing it if you just submit to it. Amen. So here, uh, Psalm 143 says, we need to be taught what God's will is. And sometimes that struggle between our flesh and our spirit is going to take place. You can write down Matthew chapter 26 verse 41 because Jesus experienced this. He said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation for the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? We watch verse 42. He went away the second time and prayed. See, sometimes you got to keep praying. He went a, a second time and prayed. Watch what he prayed. 
Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, read it with me. Thy will be, come on, say it again. Thy will be done. In other words, Jesus realized the only way he was going to get God's best for his life is to submit to the will of God. And as believers, we have to watch it because we live in a world that kind of trains us to not necessarily have to yield to the will of God. We think we can get God's best by doing what we want to do. This is why single people date outside of God's process because they figure I can still get what God wants for me and do it my way. And you can't do it. Amen. If you date the devil's cousin, you're going to marry his brother. I know that's not in the Bible. (laughs) But if you date the devil's cousin, you're going to marry his brother. Or the other way around, if you date the devil's sister, you're going to marry his mama. (laughs) You have to let go of your will. Here's number two. You have to let go of your way. Go to Isaiah 55, Isaiah 55. You have to let go. And I'm dealing with some areas today because in order for you to experience God's next level for your life, you have to let go of your will right now. It's not, there's no such thing as getting God's best with your will. Now, let me just clear something up because a lot of times people say, you know, God has a will. He's got his perfect will and then he has his permissive will. There's no such thing. You've never read that in the Bible. There is no God's will and his permissive will. There are three wills always in action. Three. Everybody say three. You have God's will. Then you have your will. Then you have the devil's will. Everybody say God's will, my will, and the devil's will. Now, our wills are not bad, but when they don't line up with what God wants us to do, we can't yield to them. See, sometimes God will just give you a choice. You're the one that's going to drive the car. So, you, you know, if you believe in God for a car, God don't care what car you pick as long as you can afford it. So that's your will picking that. But sometimes what our wills want to do doesn't match what God wants to do. And so now we're talking about God's way or our way. Isaiah 55 verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy on him. Watch verse 8. For my thoughts, this is God talking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than what? Your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. In other other words, God's ways always supersede ours. God has a way that he wants to do something. And until you and I submit to that way of doing it, we won't see his best. And many times we're trying to, we're trying to orchestrate things our way. And God is saying, no, no, no. Your way is not my way. See, if I had my way, we would have bought a building a long time ago. We would have bought a building, fixed it up, and renovated it. 
and at least we would have not been setting up and breaking down no more. I, that was my will. Everybody say his will. No, that was, that was what I wanted to do. But for some reason, that's not what God wanted us to do. He didn't want us to buy a building. He wanted us to build a building. Now watch this. In the process of us building the building, you know what happened? Pastor Evan got built. See, sometimes we want to squirm out of the process, but it's the process that's going to help you become who God wants you to be. Amen. Listen, sometimes he puts us, it ain't the devil who puts us in the oven. Sometimes it's God putting us in the oven because he needs to bake out all the impurities that we got going on. And God knew that, that I needed to go through a process and the only way I was going to go through it is through building the building. And so what I didn't realize is while I thought I was building the building, the building was building me. Because doing it God's way oftentimes makes us have to die to our flesh. How many know the flesh is real? Flesh is real. And the flesh is just your way, how you want to do it, the way you want to do it. And we can see here God says your way is not my way. And so as the years have passed... You have to understand that a pastor is nothing more than a member who has a call to be a pastor. I'm going to say that again. A pastor is just a member who God has called to become a pastor. And I'll never forget, when I got saved, uh, it was kind of obvious up front that I was kind of good at teaching the Bible. Even though nobody taught me how to teach the Bible... For some reason, I was just good. I would read something and I could explain it to people and they'd be like, oh, oh, wow, I didn't see that. So I realized up front that I was gifted to do that, you know, and everybody else wasn't gifted. And so you have to understand that sometimes your gifting is so easy to you, but you don't know it's a gifting because you don't realize that it's, it's so easy to you. It doesn't seem like a gift, but, but other people can't do it. So here it is, I'm explaining the Bible, I'm breaking down things, you know, uh, and that's why, look, when I start doing these series stuff, you need, you know, some of these seminars, you need to go in there and, and get this stuff. Like I'm getting ready to, after I do my faith 101, I'm going to do my finance 101 because I, I teach some things in finance 101 that the average person doesn't know. See, the average person grew up thinking Jesus was poor. Because the background seems that way. He was born in a manger, poor Jesus, born in a manger. But why was he born in a manger? The Bible says he was born in a manger because there was no room in the inn. In other words, all the hotels were were full. It was like the Dallas Cowboys were in town. And there were no hotel rooms. It's not because they couldn't afford a hotel. It's because there was no room. But see, we've been taught to think, well, Jesus was poor. Okay, so watch this. If Jesus was poor, that means everything that he had and everything he did was, was, was poor too. So why would the, why would the guys, remember now, he died on a cross between two people, right? But when he, they stripped him of his robe, the scripture says that the guards gambled for his robe. Well, why would you gamble for something that has no value? 
The scripture says that Jesus wore a seamless robe. That Listen, that was one of the most expensive garments you can make or you can have. It was seamless. And so a poor person doesn't wear Versace. Amen. Well, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have a nest, but the Son of Man have no place to lay his head. Well, why would Jesus say that? Because at the time he wasn't in his hometown to sleep in his own bed. If you go and read it, two of his two of the disciples came to Jesus and said, Hey Jesus, where do you live? And the Bible said they just wanted to know. And the scripture says Jesus took them to his house, watch this, and stayed with him that night. So that says Jesus had a house. Watch this. And it wasn't an efficiency because they all couldn't stay in one room. You're not going to invite people over if you don't have nowhere to put them, right? So all I'm saying is some of us, we've been growing up with these 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 ways of thinking that don't match mine. And that's how I, I, I was like, I don't want to be a preacher. Who wants to do that? Who would do that in their right mind? I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to be a preacher. I didn't want to have anything to do with that because I had aspirations for my own life. But what I was learning, say learning, what I was learning was God knows best. So then I had to submit my will and I had to submit my way because God has a way of doing things. And I'll say this to to you real quick. So if I'd have known that I was going to be a pastor then I would have never gone to regular college. I'd have just went to like seminary or Bible school. Why why go to regular college if you're going to end up being a pastor? That don't make sense to me, but it makes sense now. See, all of my friends, they they daddy was a pastor, they uncle, they grandmother, they great-great. They just grow up in that. I didn't grow up in this. I'm a first-time pastor, right? So here it was, uh, God's calling me to do this and... What I didn't realize is he had a way that he wanted me to do it. So watch this. I get saved. I finish college. I go work in corporate America. And then I ended up going into the church world. Well, watch this. Everything that I learned with my degree, which was in business, everything I learned helped me build this church. So it didn't go to waste. God will take the things that you thought was trash and he will work it together for your good. So don't sit up there trying to figure out, did I waste time? Did I? No, 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 no. He's going to work it together for good if you'll let him work it. And so here's the last area that I want to talk about here. And that is we need to let, if we're going to grow, we must let go. What do we need to let go of? Our weights. And these are things that we're holding on to that are weighing us down. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to close right here. Hebrews chapter 12. These are things that are weighing us down. It says, wherefore sing, I'm in verse 1. We are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us, let us, let us lay aside every what? Now, who is supposed to do that? Everybody say us. Let us lay aside every weight. I'm going to show you how to do that in just a second. 
And then he says, and the sin which so easily beset us, and then let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And here's how we're going to do that. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, this is how you get through difficult times right here. He, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You know how I got through this building process? I kept going back to the, 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 the building. I kept looking at it. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. That's how you get through training, knowing that when training is over, I got the position. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of uh, of the throne of God. And the only way to lay something down, watch this, is to let it go. So I'm going to show you because some of you all are holding on to some issues, some problems, some hurts. You know, you, somebody took advantage of you when you were a kid. You say, Pastor, I can't, get, I can't get my innocence back. Well, you might not be able to get it back, but what you can do, though, is let go of the situation. You say, well, Pastor, how do I do that? Notice he says, lay aside. Everybody say, lay aside. Okay, so lay aside. That means that if this is a weight, because a weight is something that weighs you down, that is keeping you from having Full momentum. Do you agree? Okay, so some of us have some things weighing us down that is keeping us from moving forward the way God wants us to. So he sees the weights that's on us. Uh, if I could pick that speaker up, I'd pick it up over here and then I'd pick another speaker up and see some of us are walking around and we're weighed down. But And, and listen, and we're praying saying, God, take this away. Take this away from me. And the reason God has not taken it away, because he's given you the power to lay it down. Now watch this. It says, lay aside every weight. So Dennis, I want you to come stand right here in the middle. Come stand right here. He's going to, y'all give my my, uh, helper a big hand clap. Turn around toward everybody. So let's say this is the hurt that I had growing up right here. Uh, let's say I didn't grow up with my dad. Let's say that that one. Uh, let's say, uh, no, no, let's, let's say that, uh, uh, my mother was abusive growing up. Uh, no, no, let's, let's say, uh, that my family was so poor that everybody had a Halloween costume and my mama gave me a sheet with a cape on it talking about you cast for the ghost. No, that's not a good one. Uh, let's say, for instance, uh, you know, your glasses, I'm talking to somebody right now, your glasses broke when you were little, and so instead of the, getting the glasses fixed, your parents didn't have the money, so they just took a hanger or a wire and put it, come on, I'm talking to somebody right now, and so you didn't want to, you know, you didn't wear your glasses at school as blind as you were. You sat close so you could see the board because your parents didn't have the money to fix your glasses. Okay, that's not a good one. Uh, let's say, for instance, uh, you know, uh, all of your friends had cars growing up as a teenager and you didn't have one. But then when your parents finally got you a car, it was like that Fred Flintstone effect. It had holes in the floor, you know, where, you know, Fred used his feet to go, right? All of these are weights. So this is all that right here. This is all the weights. Now, he said, lay it aside, right? Now, uh, Dennis, turn around towards me. I'm going to give Dennis, let's say Dennis is God. He represents, because the scripture says, cast your care upon who? The Lord, because he cares for me. So Dennis represents the Lord. I'm going to lay aside my weight and I'm going to give it to him. All right, you can turn back around. Now, who has the weights right now? He has them. Now, here's the problem. 
God, we can physically give him a problem, but mentally hold on to it. So when I lay aside, the only way I could physically get that back if, if, is if I go and take it back from him. But that's not what most of us do. We say the Lord has it. But what we do, we mentally keep it. You say, well, Pastor, how do you do that? You mentally keep it because when thoughts about it come up, instead of rebuking the thought and instead of declaring the word over it, you marinate on the thought. And so even though you physically may not have it, you mentally keep it. And that's the thing. See, watch this now. First Peter chapter five, stay right there. First Peter five, look in verse six. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you in due season, casting all of your care. Watch this upon him because he cares for you. And watch what he says in verse eight, which is interesting. Be sober, be, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Well, how does humbling ourselves and casting our cares upon Lord, what does that have to do with the devil being vigilant? Here's the why. Because if you know, the devil can only devour those who are weighed down by their own cares. I'm going to say that again. The devil can only devour those who are weighed down by their cares. So he lets us self-destruct. He, he just lets us keep those thoughts. He just lets us dwell on the thoughts. And so what you got to do, here's what you got to do. Here's, here's the four-step process. Number one, this is how you let go. Everybody say let go. First of all, you have to decide you're going to let it go. After you decide you're going to let it go, number two, you must then lay the care down, just like I did. You laid it down. Here's number three. You have to pick up his yoke. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. Well, what is his yoke? His yoke is his word. You got to pick that word up. And so now when the thought comes, so-and-so hurt you growing up. You have to now pick up his yoke, which is his word. And that's why the number four is there. You got to develop a personal confession. So now instead of letting the the tape play that says, oh, so-and-so hurt you. No, you're going to say, you know what? Jesus himself bore my sins. He bore my sicknesses and my diseases. And by his stripes, I am healed. Jesus healed me. But you don't feel healed. That's the thing. I don't feel healed. Well, you don't have to feel alive to be alive. So what you have to do now is take, instead of picking it back up, when the thought comes, you now confess the word. Well, when, when the thought came, you're not going to finish this building because I can't tell you how many times the devil told me that. You're not going to finish it. You're going to be the laughing stock of Arlington. People are going to see a half-built building when they go by there. You're not going to do it. You, and, and I said, oh, no, he said he was going to appoint a place for us. He was going to plant us in a place of our own, and we're not going to move no more in Jesus' name. I said it, and I said it, and I said it, and I said it. Well, look, when the fear was there, I said it. When the feelings were there, I said it. When I didn't feel it, I would say it. When the devil would tell me you're not going to make it, I would say it. But I said it, and watch this. As I said this, which is what's going to happen when I said it, faith for it happening came and that's why in 1st Peter chapter 5 verse 9 says whom you resist steadfast in the faith how do you do that you resist him with the word and faith comes by hearing and eventually you know what happened you are now sitting in the manifestation of what the devil said was not going to happen and when you submit your ways to God you would do things people would thought was impossible. 
with every head bowed, every eye closed. There are some people in the room. Thank you, Dennis. There are some people in the room that need to let go of some things. Literally, you need to let go of some things. There are some hurts you need to let go. There are some ways that you have you you need to let go. There are destructive ways. There are some people in the room that have controlling ways. You're going to have to let that go. So I want you to get in your mind what it is you need to let go of. I want you to think about it. Get it in your mind. I'm going to ask you to do something real different today. Before you leave, I want you to get your bulletin that has the notes section on it. And I want you to write down what you're letting go. Just write it down. Write it down. Don't put your name on it. Just write it down. And tear it off. And on your way out, Hallelujah. You know what? We don't have time for this, but I'm going to make some time. I want you to write down on a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be a bulletin, but if you can use that. But I want you to write down the thing or things you need to let go of. And I want everybody to stand up right now. Stand up right now. Because you're going to bring what that, whatever that is to this altar. This altar represents the altar of God. I want you to bring it and sit it on the altar. Just come in. In fact, just do it while I'm talking. Come and bring it right down here. Nobody's going to know it's yours. We're not going to look at them. There's no names on them. But some of you need to let go of some. They've been hindering you from moving forward. Today is the day of salvation. Just bring it right down here. Come on, you can get out your seats. Bring it down and just sit it right here. Some of you need to bring your singleness because it's hindering you. You say, Pastor, how is being single hindering me? Because you're married in your mind. You can't even enjoy your single life. Whatever it is, I want you to come and bring it to the altar. And then while, those, the, while you are bringing those things, I'm going to prophesy over you today. Father, I declare in Jesus' name. You said lay aside every weight and the sins which so easily beset us. And Father, whatever weights and whatever sins that are holding your people down today, as they laid them aside, as, they, as this altar represents a place that the sacrifice can be burnt. Lord, as they bring these things, I thank you that they will know in their minds that they have laid this thing aside And they will no longer pick it up. And I declare over them now that breakthrough started today. That release has started today. Healing has started today. Deliverance has started today. I thank you that today, Father, marks a new day in their lives as they bring the Father the things that... that, has weighed them down, I thank you that you're going to pick each one of these up and you're going to fix them your way. And I thank you for it now. In Jesus' name.
In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I just want you to pray in the spirit where you are. Just pray, just pray as they bring, as people bring their things. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.